Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Down 2-1. Warriors say they've been here before, and they have, and they've recovered. Down 3-2. Rangers say they've been here before. They've been there every series, and they've recovered. And is it possible we saw the most dominant team ever in sports polish off a title last night? Hold on a second. Emily Kaplan, welcome back. You've been covering the Stanley Cup Finals for us right off the ice into Plasma 4. Let's go. The lamb, pocket still going. Don't feet. today. Latest on Steph Curry. He's going to play. No restrictions, Steve Kerr says. His minutes, it seemed, were already being monitored. At least at some points in the series, you thought, could he play more? But now how the ankle holds up in what some are calling a must-win game four. Clay Thompson says they've been down 2-1 before. They have, but never to this Boston team in Boston. Israel, is tonight game four a must-win for Golden State? Around the horn to you. It definitely feels that way. Um, obviously not technically, but it definitely feels that way. This feels like uh, the Celtics are sort of settling into being the big brother, sort of the bully of this series. And if you're asking me what I think the Warriors can do to change that going into this game, I think they, A, need to take care of the ball and not turn the ball over as much, which they tend to do when they're pressing a little bit. They definitely need to get great shooting performances from Steph and or Clay, Steph and one other person. Because the reason I say that is because I just don't think there's anything defensively they can do to necessarily limit the Celtics. The Celtics are effectively going to have to take themselves out of the game because if this game is called just normally and Draymond Green does not get away with a bunch of things like he did in game two uh, and it's more like a game three uh, officiated game, then I think the Celtics are going to feel very comfortable about their ability to go to the rim, about their ability to score. So it depends on whether the Warriors can match that. It's the only way they can win. Hmm. Harry Lyles Jr. is tonight a must win for Golden State and what do they need to do to get it back to 2-2? It feels pretty musty. I mean, both teams have been sort of hot and cold throughout the series, but I think that's gone in the favor of the Celtics a little bit more than it has for the Warriors. I do think, though, to Israel's point, the Warriors are going to have to do something defensively. They've got to crash the glass better. I also think that they have to force the Celtics out of rhythm. You've got to get them into turnovers. The Celtics are 14-2 and this postseason when they've got 15 or less turnovers. They're 0-5 when they've got 16 or more. So you've got to be able to create those. I also think another big thing tonight, even though Steph Curry is healthy, you've got to win the minutes that he's not out there on the floor. Their offensive efficiency goes down 25 points when he's not on the floor. So you've got to have other guys step up in those areas. And the Warriors also have to finish these second halves. They're plus 43 in the third quarter. We know all about those signature third quarters, but the Celtics are plus 40 in the fourth. So they got to finish out these games as well. Tim Kalashaw, tonight a must-win for Golden State. And what do they need to do? I'm not feeling that musty, Tony, appearances aside. Let me say this. When you're <laughs> down 2-1 and you've got two home games left, you're not as desperate as if you're – if you're, the, if, if you're the team that only has game mm-hmm. six okay. left. So the Warriors are, know they're really good at home. Now, obviously, they'd like to win. And to Israel's point, he said they need to protect the ball. They also need to move the ball. They were a great assist team in the series against Dallas. You know who led them in assists in game three? Otto Porter with four in his 21 minutes. 
they have got to not just get into isolating, taking shots. They have to move the ball because they're playing the best defensive team that they have faced in the playoffs. And now Emily Kaplan. Is tonight a must-win for the Warriors, and how do they do it? It's the mustiest must-win I've seen in a while. It's so musty it could be a hockey locker room. Um, I think that <laughs> they're relying a lot on Steph Curry, right? Ooh. And Steph Curry is working really hard, and he's battling through it. But he has a bum ankle, and you can't rely on all these pick-and-rolls that they're forcing him into. The real thing is that he needs supporting cast help, specifically Draymond Green, who has more turnovers than he has baskets in this yeah. series. It feels like Draymond Green is focusing more on being an instigator and less on playing basketball. And the issue is, is that the Celtics are taking away all the type of shots that he likes to play and the take. And that's the really big issue is that the Celtics have a really good defense. Since the middle of January, they've been the best defense in the league by far. Defenses don't always win championships, but this defense is good enough to win a championship. So I like them tonight. Israel Gutierrez back in. Tim, I like, I'd love the idea that the Warriors need to move the ball more because that's who they are. But these Celtics, it's not just when they, you know, you line them up one-on-one -on -one that they're going to stop you, but their hands are so active. They get deflections all the time. It's not as easy as, as, it, as you know, it's a lot harder, a lot easier said than done than throwing the ball all around when these guys are going to deflect all these passes and Marcus Smart's going to be in your face. And so I think the Warriors are sort of settling into a little bit more one-on-one -on -one with Steph Curry when they get the right matchup rather than going to, you know, what they're more used Alex to. show back in. That's a valid point. And to Emily's point about Draymond Green uh, needing to get going, and there's been criticism of him doing a podcast and stuff. And it's not that it's the specifically doing that. I think it's just the mindset that he gets into, and he is consumed by that now. He needs to play and not worry about being this, this master troublemaker that's going to do all this other stuff. Harry Lyles Jr., last word. I think no matter what happens at the end of tonight, we should all just let Draymond Green do his podcast. You, do, you don't want to instigate the instigator. I hear what you're saying. Emily made her pick. She picked Boston tonight. Tim Kalashaw? I think San Francisco wins. It's not easy. I think, Why I was think there such a wins. big exhale? And very nice because calling them San Francisco. Friday night in the garden. Oh, that was a very musty uh, name uh, usage there, calling them San Francisco. Harry Lyles Jr., who you got? I'm going with Golden State. San Israel Gutierrez. Mm. I'm with Emily. I got the uh, Celtics. Did you just look up Brady Bunch style and know pretty exactly good. where she was? Good. Very well done. Easier done than said, some might say. We'll move on. Lightning three, Rangers one. Let's talk hockey, Emily. I said earlier this week, back-breaking goals are the ones that are scored at the start of games and the ones that are scored at the end of the game. And the Lightning have a knack for that. So yesterday, just when it looked like it was headed to overtime, Palat again. Lightning snatching souls. Rangers had their chances but couldn't get it done. After the game, they talked about how they've been down 3-2. Yes, they have in every series, but they've never been down 3-2 to Tampa. Emily, start with last night. You were there. How did the Lightning do what they do? Because Tampa Bay is like any good veteran season team. They get better with age. And in the third period, they increased their forecheck, they increased their scoring chances, and therefore they won the game. Um, you know, you have to look at this series as a whole, though. The Tampa Bay Lightning came in with nine days rest between series, and they were really rusty to begin. They were turning over the puck a ton. They couldn't win the puck battles on the boards, and therefore they couldn't establish their forecheck. And then the turning point was midway through the second game. John Cooper put Steven Stamkos up to his top line. He shortened his bench, and all of a sudden at that moment, they started having urgency. And he was asked about adjustments to limit those turnovers. He said, yeah, the adjustment was me yelling at them. And so this is a team that knows how to win. The best goalie in the world is still Andre Vasilevsky, even though Igor Shosturkin was the best goalie this season. And that's how we got here. 
I think that's about all we need. Uh, very well done, Emily. Tim Kalashaw, is there anything you could possibly add to that? There's nothing, but I'm going to plow forward anyway. You know, Tampa Bay, you know, the other teams that have gone back-to-back have kind of disappeared the next year in the playoffs. They don't go all the way to the finals. This team's won 10 series in a row. They're, they're ahead in the 11th. They know what it takes. They know how to play this game. Now, the Rangers kind of play that same style. That's why there were so few scoring chances last night. But I just think Tampa Bay is perfectly comfortable, and, and Vasilevsky gives them that great security blanket, and I don't think there's any real stopping them. Harry Lyles, Jr., you know, I, I do feel like I'm on the third line of the show, uh, but jokes aside, <laughs> uh, I, I do think that the Rangers are, are still in this. Obviously, it's tough having lost three in a row, and I think the thing that uh, they should be the most concerned about is you're not just going up against another one of these teams, right? Like, the Rangers have had five elimination games this mm-hmm. postseason and won them all, mm-hmm. but none of those have been against the two-time defending champions, and these are the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they've got, come along at the right time, as Emily has said. They've straightened their stuff out. They've gotten right in this series. They're going home. I just don't see a way where, you know, New York is going to be able to overcome that just because of that championship pedigree that we've seen out of them the last couple of years. And Israel, dare I ask, the Bill Plaschke Invitational, is it over? <laughs> oh, it's over for me, but I'm, I'm beyond third line when it comes to hockey discussions. Uh, look, I understand the Rangers have been down 3-2 in a series before. But Tampa Bay has snatched the hearts of their opponent before. Just in the round against the Panthers, game two, they scored to take the game with three seconds left. It was over for the Panthers after that. They scored one more goal in their next two games. Pretty sure this feels kind of over for the Rangers. Not only had they won eight straight home games, but no uh, road team had won a game in this series. And what does Tampa do? They do what they do. They came in here, took the game late, and now they sort of snatched their hearts. I feel like this one. Emily, you already told us what the turning point in the series was, and I thought that was brilliant. The game two, Cooper putting Stamkos on the line. But there could be another turning point, right? I mean, New York's got something. Some of the Rangers think they can summon the back-against-the-wall summoning they've already summoned in previous series despite the sum of all these fears. Please, Emily, give me a path to victory for the Rangers to extend this. All right, well, we don't believe in witchcraft in hockey, but we do believe in some facts, and I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not counting the Rangers out because, as Harry said, they're 5-0 and in elimination mm-hmm. games this postseason. They somehow seem to play better when there is no tomorrow. And as Adam Fox told me at the end of last round, he was like, I think that's our naivete as a group. Like, we don't let the moment overwhelm us. They're such a young group um, that they're just mm. really enjoying this. And I think they never get too high after wins. They never get too low after losses. It actually makes them really annoying to cover as a journalist because I like better stories and better quotes but it makes them a good team. And Tim Kalashaw, any players tell you after the game what they thought about the series? <laughs> I spoke to many of them. I'm not going to talk about all that, Tony. And the thing is, yes, the Rangers play better when their back is against the wall or there's no tomorrow or whatever cliche Emily just threw out. Oh. But what they really do, what they really do is play better against suspect backup goaltenders for Carolina and Pittsburgh, and they don't have that option. Are you suggesting that they're... Road here was a little bit of a mirage in Kalisha. The road is the road. They've, they've made it here. They, I'm not taking the credit away from them, but they had a few breaks. Kind of sounds like you're taking the credit the away from them, actually, when you, when you put it like that. Not a lot of credit, just a little credit. Tim, Harry, and Israel had no idea Emily was going to be on the show today, right? Ooh. And they were like, ah, she's in New York. Why not come on and drop some knowledge? And she did right there with the lead by herself on the other side. The road Process, the road. Guys. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of Happy Hour.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. I've been waiting all day, all week for this conversation. The Oklahoma Sooners, the essence of domination. So I'm going to have this conversation. Are they the most dominant team in sports history? I'm going there. When we think about it, international play, the dream team, the dream on team and iterations of Olympic basketball and U.S. soccer, of course, UConn basketball, Harlem Globetrotters, whatever. But when you think of professional teams or even some college teams, it's hard to do the comp because you can't run rule your competition if you're LSU or Alabama or the 72 Dolphins or the Durant Warriors or the Jordan Bulls or whoever. Oklahoma Sooners softball run rule the competition this entire season in 66% of their games. Winning the title over Texas last night in front of the raucous home fans. To get to 59-3 on the season, Tim Kalashaw, could they be the most dominant team of all time. They are in the discussion, Tony. When I was a wee lad, nobody was beating UCLA basketball and John Wooden in the tournament. When I was a little older, I think of Miami football, Jimmy Johnson and Dennis Erickson teams just obliterating people with all kinds of first-round picks. But, as you said, 59-3, and run-ruled 40 of those opponents and beat up on my Texas Longhorns twice, and that's one of the three teams that beat them this year. There was really no touching this team. Harry Lyles Jr., would you make the argument that the most dominant team ever? Yeah, I'm buying. They've got a great, strong argument. I think it's hard sometimes to compare across sports, but I think the one thing that really stands out about them is they constantly showed that nobody else belonged on the same field as them. It really was honestly the most similar thing that we've seen to the UConn women winning 111 in a row, where 61 of those were by 40 points or more. And to have 40 of your 59 wins go to the run rule, that's just incredible. Did you hear what Harry said there at the start, though? It's really hard to compare different sports. I'm sorry that it's hard, Harry. This is why I have you people here. Go ahead, Israel Gutierrez. 
Well, when I was a wee lad, the North Carolina women's soccer team were winning all the championships. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when I got a little bit older, they were still winning all the championships. And then they kept winning all the championships. But I'm looking so for one team. I understand North dynasties, Carolina women's right? Soccer team. We, we know dynasties. UConn basketball, of course, well, would be the start I would of that. say that um, probably in the mid in the mid 90s because eight of those of that 1999 women's world cup soccer team um, eight of those players initially selected were from north carolina that is a pretty dominant section or section of time for them so i'd say right around there and emily kaplan could you make the argument this is the most dominant team in sports history it's the most dominant team we've seen since UConn women's basketball. And I felt really confident about that when I, went, when I read Hallie Grossman's really great story in ESPN Magazine. But then I felt super confident about it when they lose to UCLA, surprisingly, and then they have this winner-take-all, go-home game, and they win 15 to nothing. That is just absurd. Also, they have a 371 team batting average. Just think how good they have to be for everyone on their team to accumulate to a 371 batting average. They're absurd. Just, I mean, to see domination like that, it's just, it's, it, you're in awe of it. You know, the best team, the best lineup, and Jocelyn Allo, definitely a resume, is the best hitter and player in the history. We'll move on. Buy or sell two. Tony LaRusso, in his own words, explaining the one-two count they had on Trey Turner, but then when he decided to intentionally walk Trey Turner, which doomed the White Sox yesterday. Let's listen to LaRusso. Yep. Is there some question about whether that was a good move or not? I guess at 1-2 is the question. The Do you know what he hits against left-hand pitching with 1-0-1 one, oh, one or two strikes? you know what he hits? Well, you know what Muncy hits with two strikes with against left-hand pitcher? I mean, is that really a question? Really was a question. And then Muncy really hit a home run after the intentional walk, and he was fired up about that. I also want to give special credit to the fan trying to make sure LaRusso knew there were two strikes on him. two strikes, <laughs> How amazing is that? Harry, do you buy what LaRusso was trying to sell there? No, I'm selling this the whole way through. I understand he's their best hitter by batting average, but on a 1-2 count, he's batting 256 because guess what? It's a 1-2 count. You don't have to throw it over the plate again for a few more pitches, right? Like, throw to the guy. You, I know you had a base open. To me, it just wasn't worth that risk. Is real? At the very least, give him the unintentional, intentional walk. See if he swings at a pitch that's just out of the zone. Don't just automatically put him on first base. It felt like he could have tried something a little bit different. And obviously it didn't work. Emily Kaplan. Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. It did not pay off. But the reason it's so bold is because it's baseball. Even if you have good stats in a certain situation, it still means that you're failing more than you're successful. So I don't know why he did it. Unless you're Jocelyn Allo, who hit over 500 this year. Tim Kalisha. The only one. I'm okay with the move once once the base first base is open. I hate the explanation. His, you know what Turner hits with two strikes? You know what Muncie hits with two strikes? Do you know that Muncie's not coming up with two strikes on him? He's coming up with no strikes on him. Muncie hitting with two strikes is irrelevant to the conversation. Fire cell three, New Orleans Pelicans' David Griffin saying they will be signing Zion Williamson to the max. Quote, this is a max player. That's easy, end quote. He said this to Ryan Rosillo on Rosillo's podcast. Is he buy or sell this easy Pelicans decision? 100% buying it. I don't know of any franchise that would not take this gamble. Yes, it's a gamble, but unless the doctor's telling you specifically that he will not hold up, then there's no reason not to get Izzy, it. easy, easy, easy. Emily? Yeah, it's easy because they're a small market team. When you have a star player that wants to stay in the small market team, you sign them. 
The hard part is the context of the situation. Do you guarantee the money or do you give yourself injury protection? And that's going to be the battle. Tim Kalashaw. 61% buying it, just, just to follow up on Israel. I mean, yeah, you have to do it, but you do it with trepidation. Have any of us watched the last three years and thought, oh, he's probably never going to get hurt again. A big man carrying that kind of weight, flying through the air, he's never going to hurt his knees and feet again. So what did you say? You're 61% buying it? What is? Well, he's all, he, Izzy's all 100% in. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Lowes Jr., how about you? No, this is this is a pretty easy decision. I'm buying that. Look, he averaged 27 and 7 as a 20-year-old. He's the most athletic person every single time he's out on the basketball court, and he's clearly taking time with this injury. You have to take the risk because what other choice can you make that's going to make you look good? Mm-hmm. Tim Kalashaw struggles with that same question. How can I look good? With- you look great. You just have 15 points. Not an easy decision I make every day, Tony. <laughs> All right, thanks for this week. Gutierrez, Kaplan, showdown. Two minutes. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Around the Horn is presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live la vida más fina. Part of happy hour. It's showdown and I got a big question. Do team meetings actually work? You know the Phillies fired Joe Girardi. They're on a winning streak now. They've won seven straight. Atlanta had a team meeting, and they've won eight straight since Brian Snicker called for it. Marlins had reportedly the most explosive team meeting. Don Mattingly wasn't sure how they'd respond. They've won three straight. Do team meetings work, Israel? No, because Don Mattingly said he wouldn't be surprised if his team came out flat. It was the exact opposite. They've been balling. So, no, nobody can predict what happens after these Emily? things. Emily? Yes, let's get rid of our longstanding beliefs. We have these three bad teams with three small sample sizes in a 162-game season. Get at me when they emerge looking like Oklahoma softball. Guys, you're mis- I left it there for the taking. The Boston Celtics had a team meeting about six months ago. You all mocked it, and now they're the hottest team. No, losing points. We'll move on. Oh, this story. Love this story. Las Vegas Ace is doing the Tortilla Slap Challenge. Take a look at this for a second as I remind you, this is the team that had a prank war this week where the police came because a car was so vandalized. But the Tortilla Slap Challenge, water in your mouth, you slap each other with tortillas. Whoever spits out the water because of laughter or because of the tortilla to the face loses. This is a 10-2 best-in-the-league team. So 
It's fun, Emily. Does it help the basketball? Yeah, do you really trust your teammate unless you're willing to get slapped in a tortilla by them? Also, this is how to host a team meeting because <laughs> Becky Hammond is in the middle of this video just keeling over laughter. Mm-hmm, there you go. And Israel. Yeah, if you've ever laughed so hard that you can't breathe, you know that just helps with bonding with teammates. When Becky Hammond inevitably gets an NBA job, you got to bring that to the NBA too, Becky. Today was Emily Kaplan's day from the start. Wire to wire, EK. Take your face time. I've spent a lot of time at ice arenas this spring, and the one thing I've appreciated is hockey people, especially the ones that you don't see on TV. So I want to give a shout-out to the Raleigh Ice Crew, who tapped on my shoulder at a game and said, uh, you have a big seam ripped, here's a black duct tape. Or Nick, the equipment guy who spent the period sewing my shirt. The guys at MSG, Paul always makes me smile. And Jack, who cut off his thumb yesterday servicing the Zamboni, but like a true hockey guy, he's day-to-day, and I expect him back for Game 7, upper body injury. What? Wow. Lost his thumb in his Zamboni. He's a hockey guy. He'll be back. Oh, See my. you Monday.